Uh, I'll just introduce myself to start off with and then uh, we'll have a look at this passage together. My name is Bradley Salisbury uh, and I come from the community that Libby has just left. I'm the headmaster of the senior school uh, of Dean Close. I've been the headmaster for about a term. I only took on the job once I knew that Libby was coming here. Uh, so uh, uh, we're very much with you in this uh, and it's great to, a real privilege to be with you this evening. Uh, I'm very grateful for the trust uh, uh, that David uh, and Bishop John have, have given me by being able to speak to you this evening. Um, and I must stress from the outset that I am more a preacher than a teacher, a teacher than a preacher, sorry. And my understanding of Scripture owes less to years of theological training reflection and more on a desire to understand more of what God requires of me in my day-to-day busyness uh, as a husband, father, uh, leader, colleague and friend. And as a visitor to Peace and Jews, I confess to not knowing a huge amount about Edinburgh life. Uh, but as we work through this well-known parable together, I would like to humbly offer four prayers for you as a community. And as I've been reflecting on this passage over the last week, I've been struck by just how much this parable has to challenge us in the light of, as the light of Scripture comes to rest on us, particularly on those of us who have heard it many times we sit in church pews week after week. So let us pray together and then we'll get into the passage. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to sit in safety and to study your word this evening. Open our hearts and focus our minds that we may block out some of the noise of our lives to hear what you have to say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the parable of the sower contains four main features, uh, one of which is divided into four subsections, the sower, the seed, the evil one, and the soils. So when we come, first of all, to the sower, there is something very specific about the action of sowing. It is interesting that within the passages, Jesus himself calls this the parable of the sower, not the parable of the farmer or the parable of the seed or the parable of the soils, but the parable of the sower. In the lives of many farmers, there are many diverse roles, but here we focus on one central act, that of sowing. And in his explanations, Jesus refers to it specifically as that specific act. I cannot tell you how much of an encouragement it is to see a church that seeks to live out its faith in so many practical ways. Uh, The youth work, the men's work, marriage, parenting, financial support, social action, the way in which you are serving this great city is an inspiring thing for me. And these fruits are an incredible testimony to the seed that has been and is being sown here. But they are the fruits and not the seed. The primary function of the church is to sow seed. It is given priority here in this story. And the theologian Simon Ponsonby challenges us by saying that if we have stopped sowing, we should sell the field. Jesus is reminding us of the importance of sowing. And in recent years, we've had our attention drawn to the importance of bees, hence why there is a bee, I'm sure you're beginning to wonder. Uh, And bees have that particular relationship in ensuring that crops and plants are pollinated. We have been shown through the newspapers and documentaries the vital importance of the bee to our whole way of life. And in the strongest iterations, our very existence would appear to rest on the pollinating work of the bee. In my school, we have a whole host of activities which ensure that we have a vibrant and active community. It's exciting, exhilarating, popular activities. But if pupils are just having fun and not learning, we should sell the school and turn it into a really rather well-equipped country club. (laughs) So as a church, our existence depends on us speaking the word of God. So our second feature that we come across is that of the seeds. And the thing I think to notice is that there is only one type of seed. Paul writes, we preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. You see, there are four soils, four types of listener, but only one seed. And one question that could be asked of us is, are we always waiting for some new seed, a more popular seed, one that fills our churches, that might be more acceptable in the coffee shops of Morningside? It's actually the only place I've had a coffee in Edinburgh, but there do seem to be some coffee shops in Morningside. Every year there appears to be a new food that will solve our battle with the bulge, and at the moment it seems to be kale. Kale smoothies, kale soups, kale ice creams. This is the silver bullet of foods. And at school, we're constantly trying to find the thing that is going to sort out our education. It's a new seed, a new superfood, a silver bullet. Independent learning, tracking, or testing. We're always searching for that specific super seed. And over the last six years, I've listened to Libby preaching in chapel. I've heard her conversations with staff and pupils and heard the prayers that she has offered. The seed that she has sown repeatedly has never wavered. God is love. He wants us to forgive us for rejecting him and has done everything he can do to make that possible. Libby has been faithful to the word of God and I'm confident that she will remain so as she serves this church and the community that surrounds it. So maybe we should stop searching for new seeds, for that great evangelist who's going to fill our churches and in turn return to that simple truth, God is love. And then the third element is that of the evil one. And throughout this parable, he pops up as a snatcher like a bird pecking seeds in the drought that withers and the thorns that choke. See, whenever I sit to read the Bible, it's amazing how many other things seem more useful at that point. Do you ever have that problem? You know, you've got that that little bit of, of fluff on your jumper that suddenly becomes the most important thing to deal with things that are going on in the day, the washing up, or maybe I'll sort out the loft. That seems like a good thing to do right now as I sit to read the Bible. But I never have that problem when I'm sitting down with the latest Scandi crime thriller, or maybe when you're checking your Instagram account or playing FIFA. I know there are a few students here, so that one's for you. (laughs) But the funny thing is that when we sit down to read the Bible, and then all of a sudden the ironing becomes the most important thing to be done. Now, my theology of the devil is not as thorough as it probably should be to warrant standing here today, but I know this, that reading the Bible seems to pose a significant threat to the plans of the devil. When I am regularly reading my Bible, my relationship with God becomes a priority. And when I am not, many other things come in to take over. When you are sitting reading the Bible, it is amazing how attractive the pile of ironing can look. So the scene is set... God is sowing a good seed. It's not down to the soil. But the more I have considered and read about this parable, the more I see myself in the soils that Jesus described. So let's go through these one at a time, and this is where I will offer up prayers for us. The first is the path. And the problem is that at times I am the path. The toughest audience for the word can be here in church. We've heard it all before. We've been pressed and trampled. We're closed-hearted. Maybe you've got an issue with the preacher before they've even started. It's never been good with them before. C.H. Spurgeon thundered from the pulpit. Wagon loads of sermons are wasted on you. Jesus is presented before you, dripping in blood, but it is like a seed sown on a seashore. So my first prayer this evening is for all of us who have hardened ourselves and are not open to what the Word of God has to say to us, that we may hear what God has to say. The second 
soil that we see is the rocky soil. And I suppose in many ways this represents out the burnt-out listeners. In the, the area there where Jesus is speaking, the soil would often have been very thin with a limestone bed. So when the sun blazed, the roots withered. And very often we are like that, full of joy we start the Christian journey. But when the persecution comes, we fade away. We love the feeling of belonging within this community. But sometimes we find the cost a little bit more difficult. The welcome at Peas and G's is incredible. The music is beautiful. The coffee is pretty good. I love the fact that you've got a bungalow for the drum kits. <laughs> this is a good place to be. But when the tough times come, that is not going to help us to stand. Sometimes we can coast along in our Christian world, enjoying all that community life can bring, but never really putting down roots. I heard a story recently about Canon Andrew White, the vicar of Baghdad, and he was being interviewed uh, at HTB Church, a big church in London, uh, by the founder of the Alpha Course, uh, Nicky Gumbel, although probably God is the founder of the Alpha Course. Uh, the Alpha Course is... Uh, uh, there's another several together. The, the Alpha Course is an evan uh, evangelistic tool uh, to get people together, to talk about their faith, to learn about faith, to answer questions. And uh, Nicky Gumbel said to, to Andrew White, now, how is Alpha going? How's it going in Baghdad? Uh, Andrew says, well, we weren't prepared for the 2,000 people who turned up to the first session. Uh, how did the rest of the course go? Well, 13 people at the end of the course asked to be baptised. And on the day of the baptism, 11 people turned up to be baptised of the 13, and all were killed on their way home. What happened to the other two? Well, they heard about what was happened, and they asked to be baptised anyway. Now, many of us will not face those same challenges, but I'm guessing there are people here in this congregation this evening who have stood strong in spite of huge opposition. I don't know how I would stand in that situation. My prayer for those of us on rocky ground is that we will look after our roots, that the Word of God will drill down to ensure that we may be strong enough to stand in the times of testing. The third soil and the third prayer is thorny grounds, and this is where I think most of us can sit. The cares of this world, and we delight in Richards, it's difficult to tell the difference between us and the world. See, weeds can get six feet down, and they can make the plant fruitless. Our cares of family, of health, of work, of relationships can become all too important. The relationship with Jesus can become formal. Now, John and Libby, uh, I've known for a long time, uh, and over the last uh, six years, I've worked closely with them at Dean Close. Uh, they had a comfortable home, uh, real status, uh, success, a settled family. They had friends nearby, generous salaries, sparkling wine. <laughs> uh, but their greatest witness was to declare that God has called them away from all of that comfort, where the only certain things was that Libby was coming to work at P's and G's. Uh, I'm not suggesting that Edinburgh is a complete... Uh, tough place and, and challenge from that setting. But the only thing that they knew was that they were excited about being part of this church, of sowing in this church. And one of my colleagues came to me and expressed complete bewilderment as to the move. It made no earthly sense to him. But throughout the process of moving here with uncertainty about schools for Zachary, Alice and Finian, jobs for John, house moves, there has been a single certainty that this church is where they should be. They have forced me to ask myself the question, am I too much like the world? Is there any difference between me and the world? Would I listen to the call of God 
if he called me away? Would I uproot my family uh, and change jobs to serve the Lord? And I believe very passionately that this is what John and Libby are doing as they come here. So my third prayer is for those of us for whom the pressures of daily life sometimes makes it hard for us to determine God's calling. And finally, uh, the fourth soil, the good soil. It is interesting, isn't it, that only one out of four soils reproduced and bore fruits. Only one out of four persevered. They understand the message and they stand under it. See, the fruit is that of righteousness, of character, of service. One life that is transformed and transforming the lives of others. Now, there are many interpretations of just what fruit looks like. What does 100-fold look like? For some, it seems to be material blessings. For others, slightly bizarrely, sexual chastity. I'm not persuaded by either. It was interesting, as we heard the reading, Libby looked down the uh, the road to me, just to make sure we were doing the right reading, because we had that unusual uh, bit at the start about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. But you see, for for me, they are the evidence of the fruits. Their fruit is described in verse 3, where it says that they were helping to support out of their own means. How true it is that it is often in surprising places that we find people who bear the most fruits. The most servant-hearted, gracious, kind, patient, self-controlled people in my school are not, surprise, surprise, in the senior management team. But they are those who work in the payroll department or the kitchens or the housekeeping team. I would be surprised if Mary, Joanna and Susanna would have been picked out by the community leaders at that time. But yet it is them that Luke chooses to tell us about at the start of this parable. So maybe it shouldn't be surprising that three out of the four soils are not able to bear fruit. And I would suggest this is confirmed by our own experience. It is not easy to hear the word, to understand it and to apply it to our lives. There are trials and tests along the way. There are those who seek to trip us up. Jesus tells us to persevere, to keep going. I see in my own life that there are times when I am all of these soils. I need to persevere. There will be times during Libby's ministry when she will need to persevere. And there are going to be times of testing for you as a church when you will need to persevere. So my final prayer is for us all to hear the words, to retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. Amen.